Today's episode is the first of the second season. My conversation with Minachi got me thinking a lot about what I consider labor and the distinction between what we might call the work, which aligns with our purpose, and what Minachi calls unacknowledged labor that chips away at our ability to sense our purpose. Minachi came into my life in a pretty remarkable way. Someone, and I can't remember who at this point, someone recommended their workbook, Decolonizing Nonviolent Communication, and I ordered it. It took a little bit over a month to get to me, and in the time between when I ordered it and when I arrived, I met Minachi through Kamar Hakim, who's been on the show twice. I then took their class on uh, trauma-informed nonviolent communication, and we've forged a friendship that I feel really lucky to have in my life. If you don't know their work, I highly recommend a deep dive online, as well as their workbook, which you can order through womencenterforcreativework.com. And with that, let's get to it. You're listening to Share the Load, a time to reflect on the division of labor within relationships. We talk about the ways that our identities shape and continue to define the work that we do and the work that's expected of us. I'm your host, Mia Schachter. I use she and they pronouns and I'm a bit gender nebulous, which is a term that I made up and you can use it if you like it. I'm an intimacy coordinator for TV and film based in Los Angeles and an embodied boundary guide for individuals and couples, which I do on Zoom. My interest in this work is mostly in consent, gender, and power dynamics. I offer Zoom classes live and for download through my website, and private sessions are there as well. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at ShareTheLoadPod, and you can follow me on Instagram at Mia Schachter. My last name is spelled S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-R. Today I'm talking to Minachi. They're a facilitator and they teach nonviolent communication with a decolonial and transformative justice lens. Hi Minachi. How are you? Hi <laughs> Mia. I'm good. How are you today? Um, I think today I'm a little bit all over the place. How fast do you want to dive, Mia? I think by the end of this podcast, I would like to hit a seven. <laughs> a seven out of 10. So you can pace it. No, or you can then... just start at a seven. Because <laughs> yeah, I'll just start at a 10. Sure. I want to go, this is like famous last words, right? But I want to go as deep as you'd like to go. Truly. Cancer to cancer. Cancer mm-hmm. to cancer. What's the rest of your... Do, you, do, do you I know? Yeah. <sighs> Astrology information doesn't stay in my brain. Okay. I know that I'm a cancer, and I know that I'm like a pretty spot on cancer. You said, you asked me if I know what else is in my chart. I don't really. I could look mm-hmm. it up. Why do you ask? Oh, I think I was curious. I think I have you pegged for like a Scorpio rising. Oh, I'll check after. Yeah. So today, you're a little all over the place. Why do you think that is? I started watching I May Destroy You. (gasps) When you said that, I felt this like incredible knowing feeling in my entire body. (laughs) Have you already watched it or have you also 
just started watching. No, I am up to the latest episode. Okay. I am not. Okay. Where are you? Uh, So I did not watch the first episode. Okay. And I have seen, I think, episodes two, three, and four, maybe five. Was it a deliberate choice not to watch the first episode? It was. Did someone tell you not to? I knew what the content of the show was. Okay. And knowing how story arcs go, I'm like, I know what's going to happen at the beginning of the first episode. I know what's going to happen at the end of the first episode. I'm not really interested in seeing mm-hmm. all of that all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will watch from the after. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's a really... It's. I was trying to describe it last night, and I was like... You know, it's not dark because I think that she does such an incredible job of like finding light, but it's very heavy. Like there's Mm. something about it to me that yes, like the subject matter is it's dark, but the show itself doesn't feel dark. It feels heavy. Mm. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on future episodes. It's a, it's a pretty magnificent show. Can I ask you a question about labor? Mm-hmm. Do you have a sense of beginning to understand the concept of labor? Yeah. Uh, oh, for me, beginning to understand it? Yeah. Ooh. Me beginning to understand it probably came pretty late. Okay. Yeah. And I think... What do you consider late? Um... Last year, this year, yesterday. Oh. Do you want to talk about that at all? (laughs) I can, because I want to, like, do this, but I also want your consent, like, very much. So, uh, yes. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think I had a moment of it, like, even on this episode so far, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe I'll start by saying, I don't like the term invisible labor. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that that for me is like Harry Potter. <laughs> like the invisibility cloak, and we're going to Hogsmeade. Let's go! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you just like cover yourself up and like hee hee, <laughs> poking people. <laughs> um, and that's not what this is. And and part of it might be, I like. How many people know that Stella is here? Stella's here right now, mm. right? Like Stella is thinking about like, what are the volume levels? Or there's these things that I don't know, right? Yeah. But like, what are all the things, the thing, the things that Stella will need to edit? And somewhere I think in your brain or atmosphere, you are holding Stella somewhere. Yes, yes. There's an, certainly an awareness that there, that like we're not alone. In, yeah, so in addition yeah. to the the people that are going to hear this at some point, like in the future, you know. Right. So, yeah, I guess so there's some piece around like, um, some piece around, so I don't think about invisible labor because I don't, I think that that term gives people an out. Mm-hmm. It's unacknowledged labor or unrecognized labor. Yeah. Because mm, it's oftentimes right under our noses. Right. Um, and I think, and I think sometimes when you don't know what goes into a product, which is also the product of capitalism, that we don't know what goes into the things that we consume, then we also miss the opportunities to recognize, celebrate, and uplift all the people who contributed, 
along the way to it getting to us. Yeah, where that really resonates with me is that I don't remember when I started doing this, but probably around a year ago, I started praying before every meal in part because I had to take so many pills all throughout the day and before meals that I thought that if I ritualized it, I would not forget to do it. And the prayer that I was using was like trying to track Actually, I've never thought about it in terms of the labor, but like all the way back to the thing. So the plant or the animal and like express gratitude to each step along the way and then like prepare to be nourished by it. I've never thought about it in terms of labor. That's so clearly what that is. How do you define labor? I think I think of labor it's anything that is not in reciprocal relationship. Okay. Because I think within when I hear the words labor or when I hear the word work, I feel exhausted or I feel tired. And what that for me is, it, is it indicates that we're not in reciprocity. There are times, like I have friends who I educate. There are friends who educate me, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of, of ways that like, shape the fuck up flows right yeah when it's in reciprocity it actually feels really good because me educating you contributes to our collective liberation and it does not feel exhausting especially if you receive it and you turn around and you do some transformative shit right but when i think about things that feel like labor um whether it's like Femme labor, my amma's labor in the house, which was exhausting for different reasons. Like it's all the pieces of things where consent isn't present, hmm. where something is is something is done, but nobody really wants it done. And I don't. It's like it's yucky. It's it doesn't feel good. I th- hmm. I think I think of that as labor. I think maybe there needs to be a new word that distinguishes between like labor with negative connotations and labor with positive connotations. Thinking about things that I do in terms of labor has helped me value what I do. And maybe that's totally wound up in capitalism that is so ingrained that I think it's part of who I am, my personality. But I think I get so much out of my work, but you also need to pay me. (laughs) And you have to pay me probably, almost without a doubt, more than I think you should pay me, right? (laughs) Like that's also a constant struggle is being like, I am worth this much ease for myself. (laughs) You need to give me enough money that I can relax and feel safe about it so that I can show up to you as like a whole human being. But it feels it feels reciprocal emotionally and spiritually. And I almost heard like a slight judgment the way that I said um, spiritually. So I want to say that again because I don't feel that way. Mm. So much of my work is truly spiritually nourishing. But I call it labor because I need to communicate to myself that I also need to get paid. Can I ask a question? Oh, yeah. Um, it sounds like 
there's some peace and maybe like in the verbiage and be joyous for you to do the offering. Yeah, no, that's really extremely true. And something that I've noticed recently in terms of when people come to me and they're like, I think I want to be an intimacy coordinator. Like, would you get coffee with me? I just feel this totally visceral, like, no, I won't. I won't. I don't want to. Honestly, like I probably can't really do much to help you become an intimacy coordinator. Now, of course, that's a little bit different. But for all the rest of time, that has not been the case. When someone says to me, hey, I'm, I have like career questions, do you consult? And I can say, yes. And then they can pay me some money. What that does is that it makes me feel like I'll, I will use some of my connections and like gather a little bit of information for you. And I'll send you a follow-up email and I'll send you resources. And I'll give you like a full hour of undivided attention. I don't like, I suppose, that it's based in money. Until we burn it all down, I need, I need live. Mm-hmm. Minachi, I'm really afraid that I'm going to end up just like, blah, 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 blah. it could happen, yeah. It could, but I want to keep it focused on, on you. Good luck. Out cancer, a cancer. That's your, that's your goal for this. Oh <laughs> like, did, my I God. And I was like, let's see, work it. <laughs> I knew as soon as you were like, can I ask you a question? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Are the tables getting turned on me? All right. I'm taking it back then. I'm taking it back. And what I want to know is, okay, well then wait a second, because now I don't know how to talk about this kind of labor when you're saying that you feel really bad about your association with the word. Because I'm thinking about like the, the work as labor and like everything that we do that generates new things I think of as, as labor. I do not. Yeah. I so what do we, my purpose. okay. Ooh, I would agree with that. Okay. I need to ask you a question. What okay. do you think of the name of this show? Share the load. Yeah. What does it mean to you? I love it. I think when I think about that, it, it comes back to the, again, comes back to the unacknowledged labor that has existed mm-hmm. for a long time. And I think one of the things that unacknowledged labor does, or just labor in general, if we're using my definition, right, of this thing, yeah, um, is it robs people of being able to live in their purpose. Yes, absolutely. Can you expand? So share the load for me. I understood it to be to, to, to mean um, share the load in, in deconstructing and tearing down all the systems and talking about the things and doing the work. Yeah. Yes. I would say that that's true. I think I like, I like the way that you say that. It's, it's not exactly what I was thinking, but it's a really cool angle side of the prism. When my friend's husband thought of the title, we were talking about sharing like domestic, the domestic burden and how that, uh, like really it came up in a conversation around like the two of them, my, my really good friend and and her husband, who I'm also friends with, he was saying that like when he got married, like at first he was not 
into domestic labor, but that he had found such a joy in the ritual of cleansing and that that was something that he had really like learned in relationship with her. And, and then we kind of were talking about the, the labor that goes unacknowledged and how to share that burden. And he was like, you could call it share the load. I was like, ha <laughs> <laughs> So I think similar to what you're saying. So how has that then shifted for you if you say that you feel like you only, well, you said that that, like, that came to you late. How, how did it ar- arrive and when and why? I think it arrived through um, a really late politicization. Mm. I think the seeds for my politicization have always existed. The seeds are deep, deep in my lineage. Um, But my ability to articulate things, my ability to conceptualize things um, has certainly been growing steadily. They have been growing steadily since my Saturn's return, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There was a, a choice point that I had with my Saturn's return. And I was like, we are going to go all the way this way. But even that and, and the other things I could say that like would take us up to probably take us up to a 79 on the one to 10 scale. Okay. So I'm like, <laughs> maybe that's the second episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's the second episode. But yeah, so like a lot of my, a lot of my clarity mm. um, around what is and isn't appropriate to ask for, to receive, has has come relatively recently mm. within the last five years. And I'm 37. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's a, a typically cancer trait to... Um, have trouble being in the accepting quadrant? Because <laughs> by accept, you mean I can give? Um, <laughs> no, that like you, when, if you're accepting, if, it, if you find it hard to be in the accepting quadrant because you find yourself serving most of the time. That was a cancer joke. Oh, I didn't get it. It went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that one. <laughs> um, I, for, for me, I will say no. That's not where my cancer trauma lies necessarily. Mm. But yeah, that is not where my cancer trauma lies. Um, is that what it's been for you? Um, yeah, I think I get really concerned that I'm going to come across spoiled or Mm. entitled and you know living with my parents was kind of interesting because I did revert back to some stuff like my mom just kept cooking all the meals like she just kept doing it there wasn't a whole lot of communication about it and there and she also like truly didn't seem there were there were moments where there were occasion occasions where she was like I'm so burnt out on cooking and then um, we would usually order takeout I would help her cook a lot of the time she I like that's the only time that I'm kind of comfortable being like doted on a wee bit um, you know are you hungry like 
other than with my parents where I do act probably a little entitled. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that I do. Other than that, I have a really hard time like not being in service because it feels, I think it feels more active to me and that feels like I'm, I think I maybe mix up serving with sharing the load. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think probably the pieces that I'm tracking is that we may keep hitting like a dead end or something Mm -hmm. around like verbiage. Yeah. Right. Because even the concept of the load, right. The idea that something is exhausting. I keep thinking back to, you know, I was at a friend's house a couple of years ago. I was sending um, like Christmas with them and their family and I just remembered the trash being full and, and I don't know. And, and there were like 20, there weren't 20 of us, but it was like her whole family. Ahila, I love you. Um, right. And so I like, and it was something like I took out the trash and then I came back and the trash liner was already in place. Right. So it's not this idea, it's this idea that taking out the trash is laborsome. And it's like, no, the trash is just the thing that has to go outside so that we can keep eating and so that we can keep enjoying spending time with each other. And it doesn't feel laborsome because it feels nice to plug in to, to people that I love. It feels nice to be in Tetris mode. I love that at the end of that whole thing, you just threw in the Tetris metaphor. <laughs> just- <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love it. I think I used a Tetris metaphor yesterday, so <laughs> this wavelength has a lot going on. If you'd like to support the show, you can find it on Patreon at patreon.com slash share the load. The tiers range from five to a hundred dollars, and you get anything from a free downloadable consent and boundaries class and discount codes to a share the load shirt, which I made, <laughs> or, or a hat. Merch is also available on my website, sharetheloadinc.com. Other ways to support the show are to write a review on Apple Podcasts, which really improves SEO so other people can find it. And you can share on social media or directly with friends. Uh, I want to probably insist that my father listen to what you just said. And I can probably send it to him. Hey, Dad. Or maybe I won't so that I can talk about him right now. What's your instinct? Talk about your dad and send, and it, send it to him. It to him. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, maybe I'll send it to my mom first. She can take a listen. Is it okay if I talk about a little bit of childhood trauma? Okay, thank you. Wow, it's really amazing now that I think about prosody all the time. I notice I'm like frantically twirling this around my finger. Okay, I'm nervous, mm-hmm. right? When I asked basically just gave you a content warning. I felt this like tingliness all in my chest and my gut. And I felt my shoulders tighten up here. Uh And I stopped looking at you. So transparent. We're so transparent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I had a really productive conversation with my dad recently about some trauma. Um, We were in the jacuzzi all three of us. And my mom said my health really took like a pretty sharp downturn while I was living with my parents. 
And my mom said to me in the jacuzzi, she was like, if there is anything that you are not trying because of money, just tell us and we'll pay for it. That was like really emotional and really huge and, and really meant a lot. And I was like, well, the stuff that I want to try is really emotional and stress related. And it's about releasing trauma from the body. Like I've been, I've been doing EMDR and I have been looking for like a somatic practitioner therapist who's also like sex positive and so on. I actually found one, but I was afraid that my parents would be like, well, that's not like actually medicine or whatever. Like that's not what we meant. You know, if I go to like hypnotherapy, which is what I want to do. And my dad was like, what, what do you mean trauma? And I was like, well, a lot of like gut and autoimmune stuff is tied to trauma. And he was like, what do you mean? Like from your childhood? Not in a gaslighty way, not in like a, how could you possibly say that way? And then it got a little tense and I kind of just like nodded and shoved it down. And then my mom got out of the jacuzzi and my dad was like, do you want to get out? And I was like, I actually want to talk to you for a second. And I said, you know, you've asked me a couple times now about trauma, like when I've brought up trauma and my health. And uh, you asked me about it in this way that makes me think that you feel like it's kind of a mystery. And what I really need to tell you is that it's not. And it's a lot of it is from, from you and your anger and your volatility. And that is what I've talked about, like for the bulk of my life in therapy for the last 15 years or so. And also as a result of getting comfortable with that and familiar with that, I've stayed in other situations where I thought it was okay because it felt so familiar to me. And I don't think that he's ever like heard me the way that he actually heard me that night. I was like, dad, you know, therapy isn't like a magic bullet. It doesn't fix you. You still have to like do a bunch of work on and I feel like I and other people have told you what we think that work could look like. And I know you're in therapy, but you're not really doing that other work. There are tools, there are practices. <clears throat> and a lot of people, he has told me, including myself, have suggested meditation. And he was like, you know, I'm pretty good at calming myself down. Do you really think that meditation is going to offer me anything? Not in those exact words, but very close. And I thought at the time, do you, you think that like everyone who's meditating isn't as good as you are <laughs> at calming themselves down? I didn't say that. But what I said was, yes, it rewires your brain. It, you know, it should help you prevent yourself from even getting to that point. And he was like, okay, well, my therapist sent me some recommendations for like meditations and stuff. And in the end, he was, I was like, you know, there's some books I'd like to send you. There's some podcasts I'd like to send you. There's some resources. And he was like, okay. And I mailed them, I emailed them to him the other day and he said he would look at them. One of the recommendations was um, an episode of Adrienne Marie Brown's podcast where she reads her own writing. And I I just couldn't believe the things that were coming out of her mouth. I was like, I've never heard anyone say how I feel better than that. It was beautiful, and thank you for sharing. Thank you. 
I would consider that to be labor. Is that different from your definition of labor? Not necessarily. It depends on the what the it depends on the turning point for your dad. Ooh. Right? So if your dad does if he if he receives your recommendations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and is able to take them, really receive them, really implement them, embody them, unpack, do the work, then all of that stuff transforms into into purpose and to work we are meant to do. Just that thought alone lessens the load. It's almost making me think of like a year ago when I was really trying to do anything I could to feel better. And I was like, I started praying and I got much more closely in touch with the source and like my body and my intuition, you know, something that I might call God. You know, I have no idea what I was going to say. Mia, you don't have to say anything and this will still be a really good episode. I agree. Well, we were talking about God and we were talking about your dad and the imagining of like if your dad actually received all of your information. Mm, Almost. Can I, shall I offer something on a riff of that? I do think that one of the problems of the context in which we live in is that the journeys of our ancestors are not acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of that unacknowledgement, right, all of their, all of their purpose becomes unacknowledged labor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a big impact on all of us, on our individual systems, on our collective systems to take their life's purpose of whatever their purpose was and to not be in relationship to it. to not acknowledge that they did all of these things yeah like it also robs them of their their being their existence their intentions their purpose while they were alive so many things came to mind when you were saying that but i kind of just don't have words what is this class that you're taking this because what you said reminded me of that exercise that you gave me at the beginning and i was like because i was I was thinking that if that intuitive hone, like intuition honing mm-hmm. helps you get in touch with their purpose. Mm. Are you, so, okay, two things. Yeah. The intuition class that I'm taking is from Dr. Jale Phillips. I hope I've got it right. <laughs> I just know her Jale. <laughs> Z-H-A-L-E-H. Give that a Google. Um, so, yeah, and I think Shelley's website is communicate, but like C-O-M-M-I-N, communi, <laughs> C-8, and then the, the number eight. Okay. <laughs> uh, something like that. So I guess, yeah, so this practice that I had been telling you about, so that I am taking an intuition class right now with Shelley, and it is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good. And what led up to this point? I think that for me as a cancer, intuition has always been part of my being to some extent. And then in recent years, I have been honing it more. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then I really wanted a class specifically on intuition. And then Chalet's class showed up in my inbox. Wow. I, was like, yes, I will take that right away. Wow. 
It's amazing when those things just happen and you're like, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to ask you about the work that you do through this window of is does the work that you do have the same kind of connotations for you as labor the work that i do is my purpose okay okay sometimes it feels laborsome sure i'm i'm more interested in like understanding how you found it as your purpose hmm. i have that story okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been on a forever long journey for what my purpose is. And I found NBC in 2002 to a very magical human being. And then most NBC spaces that I was in were very white and really ruled by a lot of um, unacknowledged white supremacist politics. Mm. Um, and so I left NBC Spaces, and then I came back to NBC Spaces when my mentor asked me for some support. Um, and then I realized that I was good at a thing. Mm. And I was like, oh, it feels good to offer this thing. And then I started teaching, and the rest is like wildfire. Wow. I've had a similar experience with what I now see as the work that I'm doing. And the way that it has found its own way. And it feels like I'm kind of along for the ride. And it feels so very purposeful. And, and also, as you said, even at the beginning, I think it's been like my whole life leading to, I mean, I guess most people would say that, but I, I think what I'm hearing you say is like, finding that intuition, getting more in touch with that like driving force makes it not feel like labor anymore. It's just like organically growing, creating itself almost. And I'm just like uncovering it or discovering it, chasing after it. I don't know if I said all of those things, <laughs> but I really like the way you said it. <laughs> well, I have a big wrap-up question. Can you name three informative or like crucial nuggets from your life, whether it's media, a conversation, a person, you know, book, article, podcast, movie, three things that you would say most closely inform the way that you think right now? Oh, shit. <laughs> I cannot answer this without going into, into the deep, 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 all the things. You can also do more. And I'm that. not going to. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. The question was three things that have informed my something. Like how you think now. I mean, I can tell you what mine are. It might help. Okay, yeah. Okay, the sure. Wheel of Consent, Rent, mm -hmm. the original Broadway musical. Amazing. Maybe like understanding uh, mirror neurons. Mm. Okay. Okay. 
Um, then I think the pieces that are emerging for me in this moment mm -hmm. are a memory of my amma mm. when I was six, taking me to Costco. And we had a, a Nissan Sentra hatchback. And her loading up the, the, the back mm. with every book set she could possibly buy. Every what set? Book set, like Laura Ingalls uh -huh. Wilder, Chronicles of Narnia, like um, all those Newberry, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. metal books. Just every book set of books that she could get from Costco. And the joy on her face of being able to give me those things. Oh, wow. So that feels like one. Did you like those books? My amma loves books. It was the first, it is, it is the first memory that I have of knowing that my amma loves books and that she was so excited about sharing that joy with me, about passing that generational joy on. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. so that's one mm -hmm. um the second is my cousin um and we didn't even know we were cousins he came up to me after a show and was like <laughs> i was in a show and um so my sophomore year of college i was in the china monologues and he came up to me afterwards and was like hey you're sri lankan and i was like yeah um and then we became friends and then a couple years later as is the case for many, we found out we were related, yada, yada. Whoa. And he has put up with so much. Um, he has just really always witnessed me in my like capacity for transformation, regardless of where I was like functionally actually at. Mm. He has always seen me mm. at where I could be. Or not even where I could be, but he has always seen me at the core of me. He has seen through all the ways that like layers and systems of oppression have been baked onto me. And he has always been like crystal clear laser vision to the insides of me and like held a calibration for me at that place. It sounds like maybe he sees your purpose. I don't know if I, <laughs> I'm like, mm. What would you say? I'm like asking him right now, and I'm like, <laughs> no. But yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so him. Um, the other thing I will say, just to keep it simple, is like all the people who have come into my life in the last three years. Mm. Um, which includes many people who have caused harm mm. um, and also many people who have supported or stood for the um, naming of these things. Yeah. Um, because a lot of those pieces have culminated in, in me being able to reach like an actual embodied politic. Mm. Embodied politic. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. Those were really beautiful 
um, nuggets. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well, Minachi, can you tell people where they can find you? Can find me in my home. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> All day. <laughs> oh. All right, Minachi. This was lovely. Thank you. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sharetheloadpod, and you can follow me on Instagram at Mia Schachter. My last name is spelled S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-R. Mm -hmm.